excuse me, fast approaching Easter. We're coming to the end of our current sermon series this is on Ruth in the morning and on the first book of Peter in the evening. And uh, tonight we're looking at the last chapter of 1 Peter, which really homes in on leadership. Uh, and we're all called to be leaders. That's the first thing to say this evening. This talk is for everybody. It's not just for those that are staff or leading in some particular way. We're all called to lead people. And we're called to lead people to Jesus and lead people to become like Jesus. So we're going to be exploring that a little bit now from this chapter in 1 Peter. And it's really fitting that we're doing that tonight as we prepare for our Easter vestry on uh, Thursday evening this week. 1 Peter chapter 4 beginning at verse 19, continuing into 1 Peter chapter 5. <clears throat> Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with Humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore Confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. By Silvinus, a faithful brother, as I regard him, I've written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. She who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings, and so does Mark, my son, greet one another with the kiss of love. Peace to all who are in Christ. Amen. Would I pray again? Lord, I just ask that heaven would be open. That heaven would be open, that your spirit would come down. That your truth, Lord God, would impact our lives. And Lord, that you would have your way. Lord, have your way in each and every one of us. Have your way in me. 
Have your way in all of us tonight, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I wonder what you're making of all the uh, stuff around Brexit. Probably you're just bored to tears with some of it. Uh, probably, I wonder, is anybody here that shouts at the TV? Sort of sits and, you know, gets really, really annoyed and shouts at the TV? I know one or two people who do that. Uh, the reality is, as you observe the whole world of politics uh, and leadership within that world, what probably dictates what people do or don't do is the next election and whether they're going to be popular or unpopular. Leadership in that sort of world is about popularity and about making oneself look good and making oneself look popular. This chapter, as we read it here in 1 Peter chapter 5, seems to say all the opposite things to that around leadership this evening. It begins actually in verse 19 of, of chapter 4 by telling us that in making Christ known and leading people to Christ and leading for Christ, we will face difficulties. Indeed, in just living Christian lives, we're going to encounter challenges. There's going to be something by way of opposition, and we're going to know difficulties along the path. And it is in that context of difficulty and challenge and opposition that the church of Jesus Christ is called to make known the love of Christ and declare the person of Christ. So we read in verse 19, Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. In other words, we're not to be hindered. We're not to be stopped. We're not to be handcuffed by life's circumstances. Jesus is our creator. He feeds the birds. He numbers the stars in the sky. He is our creator God, and he will keep us. Friends, he will keep us. He's able to keep you. He's able to look after you. Trust him. Trust him. While doing good, while fulfilling the call that God has placed on your life, while keeping on, keeping on, while pressing through, while witnessing for Christ, while introducing others to Christ, while serving Christ in this world, while working for Christ, keep on keeping on, knowing that one day he will return, while doing good, don't be hindered by your circumstances, by the difficulties, even by the opposition that can come at you with great force sometimes and at other times more subtly. God has entrusted to us, to his whole church, the task of making the Lord Jesus known in this world. John really give us some just helpful ways that you and I can do that. In one sense, that's why the church exists to help and enable and equip and provide ways that you and I can, can make Christ known in the world and in our workplaces and to our family circles and so on. 
the difficulties that come our way, Peter is saying here we're to embrace as opportunities rather than as things that should hinder us or stop us or handcuff us. God has indeed entrusted to us a community that we're to, to reach for Christ. It's not exclusively just these local streets, though these local streets are, in a particular sense, the responsibility of you and of me in this church to reach with the gospel of Jesus. But he's entrusted other people to us in other places as well, family, work colleagues, people maybe that we have known from our college days or even from our school days that we're still in contact with. There's a whole spectrum of people that God calls us and expects us to keep reaching towards with the goodness of God and the love of God and the, the story of who Jesus is and what he's done for us and for them on the cross. When we home it into our community here, we have a community where, for example, the issues that face our young people are, are, are sometimes not even, not even on our radar. Drug addiction, mental health issues, lack of parental guidance, poor educational achievement, uh, heroin addiction, the, this, this, the whole spectrum is part of the life of our local streets. Broken people, broken lives in today's, uh, in today's city of Belfast is, is a reality. Uh, a reality that sometimes is, is quite overwhelming. Uh, and these realities could, could kind of be so big in our heads and so big in our understanding that we think, well, what can little old me do about any of this? And we end up being paralyzed and doing absolutely nothing. Rather than seeing the opportunities that God gives us in all sorts of ways. Add to all of that that we live in a, in a world where there's confusion, confusion over ethical issues from the right to life of the unborn to se sexual eth ethics, uh, a world of confusion that can sort of make us retreat as well. And the reality is that we must not retreat. But the gospel has been entrusted to us in order that we might advance and that we might advance with the good news that Jesus Christ is Lord, that Jesus Christ heals, that Jesus Christ forgives, that Jesus Christ sets free. And it's all because of his cross and his resurrection. It's all because of what he has done. It's all been done for us. And it's all been done for our world. We simply need to connect people with the risen Christ and with the presence of the Holy Spirit that he poured out so lavishly and so generously. You know, when it comes to an AGM on, on Thursday evening, I, I want us to put in place people who will have the gospel at the very center of who they are. Yes, we need people who will be good at welcoming as wardens, but I want them to have hearts that will want to see those that they welcome come to know Jesus. We'll put in place leave wardens, and yes, they need to know something about building, and about buildings, helps. But you know, unless they really care that these buildings are used really intentionally to reach people for Christ, 
then actually that's so much more important. On our vestry, the 12 people elected, we need some that know something about finance and about managing budgets and all of that. We need some who know something about personnel and about staffing issues and uh, GDPR and all of those worlds today. And we need others who know something uh, finance personnel and something about buildings and about fabric and about how to uh, secure grants for buildings and, and how actually to ensure that buildings are well looked after and maintained and, and so on. We need people with those skill sets. But more than any of that, we need people who are passionate, passionate about seeing lives changed in these buildings, seeing staff equipped and empowered to lead others and equip others and disciple others to make disciples in the workplaces and in the streets and in the families where they belong. We need men and women of, of God. So as we look at these verses, the first little thing that we see here in these verses is that God wants us to be those who are clear, clear on what we believe. Peter is exhorting the elders here to be clear, clear on what they believe about Jesus, clear on what they believe about his cross, clear on what they believe about his resurrection. Summed up in the, a phrase that we often use that Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. Friends, we need to be clear, clear on the gospel, clear on our understanding that Jesus Christ went to the cross for all, that Jesus Christ hung on the cross for you and for me, that the price was completely paid for the sins of the whole world when Jesus gave his life for us, that Jesus rose bodily from the grave, defeating the power of death and hell and Satan, that he sent the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit came upon those early apostles, those early disciples, that 120, they were empowered with the Holy Spirit, and that every word that we read in the Scriptures is for our teaching and for our learning and for the transforming of our lives. In other words, that what God says is true. He doesn't make it up. He doesn't change his mind that it's real. We need to be clear, clear as followers of Jesus Christ. But a number of little C's here this evening. We need to be courageous, is the second one. Courageous in ensuring that we actually do tell others about Jesus. It does take courage in today's world to actually boldly declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, to challenge some of the mindsets that would deny his lordship and would suggest that there's many different ways to God, and that at the end of the day, somehow or other, it'll all work out and we'll all get to heaven and we'll float on angels' wings. It's a load of nonsense. It really is. I'm sorry, folks, but it, some of it is a load of nonsense. We need to be courageous courageous in saying that there is a heaven for those 
to accept what Jesus secured for them. And that until any of us make that response to all that Jesus did to make heaven possible for us, that we are on the path and we are on a road to destruction and a, on a road to hell itself. We need to be courageous, really courageous in making Christ known. We need to recognize that the good shepherd laid down his life for the sheep. And he tells us in John's gospel, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Then he says, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice so there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Courageous, courageous, bold in the workplace, bold with family, bold over the garden fence. Yeah, full of grace and full of tenderness and full of compassion and how we share Christ, but courageous, courageous nevertheless. Be clear, be courageous. And thirdly, we're called to a lifestyle of commitment to Christ. Be committed. Peter says here, verse 5 and following, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the suffering as Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Be committed. Exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being example, examples to the flock. In other words, committed. And out of a heart that is committed to Jesus, a life that loves Jesus, a life that is so appreciative of the cross and what he's done for us on the cross, a life that is so full of the Holy Spirit that we are committed, committed, not in a way that, oh, do I have to? Do I really have to? But in a way that, let me at it. Let me out there. Let me go. Where actually people are needing to kind of hold us back rather than push us forward. Be committed. Be committed. Let's express that in our, our, our generosity. Let's demonstrate that in our witnessing. Let's be wholehearted. Let's be those that are totally and utterly committed. Committed with our time, with our energy, with our finances. Be clear. Be courageous. Be committed. Fourthly, be compassionate. How much do you love Jesus? How much do I love Jesus? When we love Jesus, the compassion of Jesus will somehow be seen in who we are and in how we live. We will be moved with compassion for people that don't know Jesus. 
we will from time to time probably find ourselves needing to get offside just to weep because we're burdened and concerned about people that don't know Jesus. We will wake up in the middle of the night to pray for people that we want to see coming to know Jesus. We'll actually, and you know, some people have done this in the past. They've said, look, can we have the church open during the night because I can't get to stuff during the day and I just want to get away where there's quietness because I've got a million children, not quite a million, but, you know, I've had folks say things like that and, and can we just have the church open? Would you mind, could I have a key for a week where I could just come and, and pray? Compassion, compassion. Where, you, where you're taken by surprise in the supermarket or where you're taken by surprise when you see the lostness of the lost. Isaiah said in chapter 40, he will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them close in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Jesus was filled with compassion. And his church and his people and his disciples need to be a compassionate people. Ask him to give you a heart of compassion for people. Do you like people? Do you love people? I know people can get under your skin some days. Come on, let's be real. But we can still love people and like people and care about people. There's one verse in the Bible that maybe above all others I have found really challenging over the years. It's verse 30 of Matthew chapter 12, where Jesus said this, whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Now, the first bit we get our head around, whoever is not with me is against me. Okay, Lord, I'm with you. I'm there. I'm your man. I've given my life to Jesus on the 5th of December, 1922, or whenever it was. Not that old, by the way. The second bit, whoever does not gather with me scatters. Are we gathering? Are we drawing people into the saving embrace of Christ? Are we bringing people around us and introducing them to Jesus? Are we like the friends who carried their paralyzed friend who couldn't make his way to, to Jesus through the crowds and they carried him and they, they got him up on top of a roof and then they made a, a hole in the roof and they lowered him on a mat and they laid him at Jesus' feet. Are, are we praying? Are we witnessing? Are we living? Are we working? Are we caring? Whoever does not gather with me scatters. It makes me shudder every time I read that verse. I need to continue gathering, but I don't want to scatter. I don't want to scatter. Compassion. Thirdly, our, our character will bring something around clarity to our witness and to the sort of 
lives that we live. We read in verse 6 and following these verses where we're told, humble yourselves, humble yourselves. Remember somebody preaching on those two words and saying it's better to humble yourself than to be humble. We've been really challenged by that. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober mindful, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you to him, be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. In other words, we're to have a Christ-shaped character. It's a lifelong process of allowing the Holy Spirit to fill us again and again and again and again. Allowing the Holy Spirit to baptize us and to soak us with the presence of God. Choosing to be cleansed again and again and again by the blood of Jesus so that we're cleansed and that we're clean. There's a word, it's the best say I could find, I'm sure there's better, the word contrition, where we simply learn how to repent and learn how to humble ourselves and learn how to allow God to be God in our lives and to have his way in our lives, learn how to depend on him learn how to rely on him, learn how to trust him, learn how to serve him in humility, learn how to count others better than ourselves, learn how to place ourselves at the feet of the cross, learn how to allow him to transform us and change us, learn how to submit ourselves to him and to one another, learn how to cast ourselves upon him. As it says in the, in the psalm, Psalm 55, verse 22, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. Contrition, where we allow God to be God in our lives. Where the issues around us impact us in such a way the phrase that comes to mind that we have a complaint and the complaint becomes our cause where the fact that suicides are happening gets under your skin. The fact that people are on drugs gets under your skin. The fact that there are people out there and known to you that don't know Jesus gets under your skin. And you think, I've got to do something. Bishop Harold calls it the Popeye factor. Some of you are too young to know who Popeye even was. But he used to get to this place where he would be so, so angry. And then his muscles would get big and, you know, and he'd get the spinach and he'd, he'd become the man, you know? Okay. The Popeye factor, where, where we're moved, actually, where we're stirred where we're shaken, where we're disturbed, and where we decide we're going to do something under God and for God and in the strength of God and for the glory of God, we're going to make a difference. We're going to pray. We're going to witness. 
we're going to open our mouths and find a way to invite and to share and lead others to Christ. We're not going to allow the devil to have his way. It says here, be sober, mindful, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Resist him. Say no to him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Don't be overwhelmed by suffering. Don't be overwhelmed by difficulties. Recognize that it's part of the deal of following Jesus, that it comes with the territory of being a disciple in this world. Yes, we pray for breakthrough. Yes, we cry out for healing. Yes, we see his kingdom come. Yes, we see the forces of evil pushed back time and time and time and time again. But we still live in a world of suffering and loss, pain, heartache. Still live in a world where not everyone loves Jesus, where a lot of people actually detest everything that he stands for and stood for, where his word is denied and where his word is mocked, where you and I are boldly called, boldly called to advance his kingdom even against all the powers of darkness and to come against them. In Jesus' name. One commentator writing on this says, the fact that Satan has been cast down from heaven and knows that his time is short makes him, in a sense, a more formidable adversary. His fury against the Lord and against the Lord's kingdom is more intense. He may threaten the church from within, masquerading as an angel of light. He may rage from without using the fire and the sword of persecuting tyrants. But Christians know that the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. So let's watch and pray. Let's witness and work. Let's resist him firm in our faith, as it says in verse 9, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood and sisterhood throughout the world. So tonight, we're called to be clear and what we believe, Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. Be clear. We're called to be courageous, witness, share, work, pray. We're called to be committed, not to be knocked about, not to be knocked off course, but to keep our focus. We're called to be those who are filled with the Holy Spirit so that we're like Jesus, filled with compassion. Call to contrition, to humility, to walk humbly with our God. And we're called to be consumed with the desire to see the glory of God. Consumed with a desire to see the glory of God. Verse 10. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Tonight, let's 
like Peter, ask the Lord to establish us, to strengthen us, to restore us, to confirm us. Let's be those who are clear, who are courageous, who are committed, who are full of compassion, those who are called to see the glory of Christ and who seek the glory of Christ. Let's build our lives in him. Let's do it all for him. Let's do it well for him. Let's give our best to him. And let's be confident that he at the end of the day is the one that will do it. He will do it. He will do it. We can do all things, but only through Christ who gives us strength. That was a long sermon. Sorry, please stand.